On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the work of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it, is not Moses who give, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of, the, of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we just come before you with a heart of thanks, Lord, for all that you do for us. And we thank you for your word, your truth, your life. Lord, we just thank you for your sacrifice for us, that you loved us even though we were sinners, Lord, that you came and you died and you rose again. Lord, as we uh, get into your word, I just pray, Lord, that you open our ears to hear and open our eyes to see. Lord, I just pray, pray that you bless Jackie as he comes forth and just anoint him with your spirit, that the words that come from him come from you. Lord, we just give you this time and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to be back among the living. Uh, we do have uh, <laughs> we do have uh, uh, a couple of uh, parts of our body that uh, have tested positive for COVID. They are all and have all so far recovered within a few days. So um, if you would uh, keep them in prayer. Uh, uh, Jason, Danielle, and Lily, they were all um, given a doctor's note that they're, they're back, they're good. Uh, Levi has it right now. Amanda was trying to get it, I think, but so far she's negative. So, <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that's lucky or unlucky. I don't, I'm not sure how that works. But... Uh, Anyways, he's he's recovering. He's uh, already tired of being home, but um, but uh, within the next few days, he's expected to come back too. So, so it's part of the process, right? We knew this back in February that uh, COVID is not going away, and there is no cure. So eventually, it's going to knock on our door, 
and we'll face it just like we face anything else, right? Through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, and and uh, he'll uh, he will give us victory, or he'll give us the strength we need to endure. And so uh, we just hold on to that truth. So it's nice to be to be out once again. No longer somebody sitting at my door with a lock on it. And I did escape a few times. If you saw my motorcycle, I figured I, I couldn't give anybody COVID at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> Rusty's still recovering from his surgery, so I can say that without worry of a, a, a ticket coming later. Um, we do have a couple of, of people within the body that are uh, going to have surgery. So I know Alan Salagenhop is going to be having surgery and Josie Stone. I don't, I don't see the stones. She, they might be in the back. But we're going to pray for them. So if you are around, Alan, will you raise your hand? So Alan's right there. If you're near Alan and you, don't, and you feel comfortable laying hands on him, we're going to pray for Alan and we're going to pray for Josie Stone. Uh, for their surgeries that are coming up, and then we'll jump in the Word. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you, Lord, we do lift up Alan, and we lift up Josie to you, and we, we pray, God, as they face surgery this week, that you would give the doctor skill beyond their ability to minister, Lord, as they provide surgery for each one. Lord, I ask that you would help them to recover, Lord, that you'd watch over and keep them safe, and I don't know if, uh, if a hospital is still a lonely place. I, I think they're allowing some people in now and some aren't. But, uh, Lord, we pray that, God, you would be their uh, ever uh, constant friend in times of sorrow and difficulty. Watch over, keep them, bless them. Lord, we lift them to you and we pray that you would strengthen them in their time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, as we look at our text this morning, you remember I talked about last week that this is the Bread of Life discourse. It's one of the longer discourses that we have on the pages of Scripture, and there's some really vital things for us to understand as we look at this. So when we, one of the things we talked about last time was answering um, the question that there's an issue that Jesus brings up. You have seen me, and you do not believe, right? So it is possible to know Jesus, to see Jesus, and yet not believe. This is what Jesus is referring to, and this is the call that he's laying out. He says in verse 37, again, in verse 44, we'll see it in a moment, all that the Father gives me will come to me. So we ask ourselves two questions. Who are the ones who are given, and how are they given? All that the Father has gives me will come to me. Now, I believe he lays that out for us in this chapter. We'll see as we continue through. Who are the given? Remember, we talked about John chapter 5, the, pre, the chapter right before John chapter 6. That's where we're at. And they had the same thing. They saw Jesus. They didn't believe. And throughout Scripture... Man is held accountable for his unbelief. So there is some sense in which man is accountable for, for this rejection. So who are the ones given? The Father gives those that see and believe 
through his gracious revelation. Remember, we wouldn't know God unless God shows himself to us. You don't find God on your own. The natural man doesn't know the things of the spirit, right? You're not going to find, it's God who makes the first move. Now, when God makes that first move, when God shines that light, the scripture told us in John chapter 5, when if you believed Moses, what did Jesus say? If you believed Moses, you would believe me. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. So if they don't believe Jesus, what does it mean? They didn't believe Moses. Are you tracking? So the light that God gave was rejected. And that light is rejected. As long as that light is rejected, man remains in the dark. But all those who respond to the light, the Father gives more light. And those, we'll see in verse 45, that hear the Father and learn from him, do what? Come to Jesus. Those who hear from the Father and learn from him, do what? Come to Jesus, right? They believe. So the scripture says, who are the ones given? The ones who believe God's revealed word. How are they given? God the Father initiates. God starts, right? He shows himself through his word. The first approaches of grace through the revelation of the word of God. Keep in mind when we, when we uh, as we kind of wrestle with these ideas, when God came to the nation of Israel, they, they come out of Egypt, they go to Mount Sinai. There at Mount Sinai, remember there's lightning, thundering, darkness over the mountain of Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments are given. Do you remember how they're given? God spoke them. So God spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel from the mountain. He spoke the Ten Commandments. You know how they responded. Stop. We need a mediator. We can't handle this. We need a mediator. Moses, what? Go talk to God and tell us what he says. So Moses went to the mountain, was gone 40 days. Remember the Lord says, hey, you better get back there. They're doing crazy things right? Dancing around a golden calf. Moses comes back. So this idea, this picture of a mediator, those who believe, those who heard from the Lord and learned from him would respond to the people that God sends. And those who don't, don't. What happened to all the prophets? I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of a prophet that died of old age. I can't remember what doesn't mean there isn't one, but I, I can't remember one. So we have prophets that are constantly being rejected. Why? Because the people did not believe God's revelation. If they don't believe it, they won't come. So the scripture says that man responds to God's grace through faith, receiving the light of God's revelation, and thereby is granted more light. They see and believe. This is how they respond. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So we're going to pick it up in verse 41, continuing this idea, right? We're going to continue this idea <coughs> as we work our way through. So in verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. 
It's interesting because this word grumbled is exactly the same attitude of the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? What did they do every time they didn't have what they wanted? This is why a lot of people come to Jesus because they want bread from heaven. They want quail. They want a new house. They want a better job. They want God to fix their husband. They want God to fix their wife. They come and for a variety of things, and they grumble because God hasn't given me what I want. The people in the wilderness grumbled. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10, he said, Do not grumble like they did in the wilderness and were destroyed by the destroyer. Don't be grumblers. These people, as Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Now, what do they want? Remember, I told you what they wanted was a miracle like Moses, 40 years of bread. Give us 40 years of bread. We had, Moses gave 40 years of bread in the wilderness. You gave us one day. How about 40 years worth? I know this about human nature. We are never satisfied. Ever. And I, 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 I would say the vast majority of my time is spent in uh, counseling, trying to help people realize uh, the, the life that Christ gives. But sometimes we can't realize the life that Christ gives because we want something else. We don't want the bread he, he's giving. We want him to give us 40 years of bread. Give me a better job, a better husband. Give me a better life. Give me a better wife. Give me whatever, you know. It's, it honestly never stops. So the Lord is pointing to these things. He's drawing these things out of the text. He's saying, listen, the Jews were grumbling. Why? Because he said, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus? Don't we know that he's the son of Joseph? We know his father. We know his mother. How does he then say he comes down from heaven? Did they know the scripture? All who have heard from the Father and learned from him will come to me. Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2, the prophet wrote, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the prince, the ruler of Israel, the prince. You know, how you say that word in Hebrew? Mashiach. Messiah. From you shall come one who is to be the Messiah in Israel. The prince whose coming forth is from of old. From ancient days. We know who Jesus is. His dad's Joseph, his mom's Mary. We know his brothers and sisters. How can he say he came from heaven? Did they know him? Did they know the story? Did they believe the story? So we know Jesus Christ was born where? 
in Bethlehem. We know that there was something special, right? That he was born of a virgin. That a virgin conceived. I will give you a sign, the Lord said. The virgin will conceive and give birth. Matthew declares, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know him. You know, the most dangerous thing is somebody who thinks they know what's going on. Do you know how dangerous that is? Can you watch the news and not tell how dangerous it is for someone who thinks they know what's going on? I mean, one of the greatest frustrations for me personally is trying to figure out who in the world is telling the truth. Because if you'll tell me the truth, I, I, I promise I will try to respond like Micah tells us to in Micah chapter 6, to, to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before our God, right? These are the things that our Lord requires. But it's hard to do that if everybody's lying to you, right? And the mobs all think they have the truth. They all think they know. And they're being manipulated by a media who on purpose is trying to manipulate a mob and accomplishing their goal. So here we have a a group of people before Jesus that are pretty sure they know where he came from and what his life is all about. How many times has that been us? Oh, I know. I know this. I know this. I know this. The longer I've been walking with the Lord, you know what I find myself saying more than anything else? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep me until that day. My faith in Christ. That's I know. Everything else, (laughs) I'm just learning as we go. Finding my way, right? Holding fast to what the Lord lays out for us. So listen to what Jesus says in verse 43. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. That's a rebuke. Stop grumbling. That's what he said. Stop. Why are you grumbling? In the word for grumble, this word means that they went away mumbling under their breath. You ever had a teenager? And you provided correction for a teenager, perhaps, and they walked away mumbling, then you know what this word grumbled means. And you know exactly how it makes you feel. Like, what are you doing? You know I can hear you, right? (laughs) So Jesus rebukes them. And he says in verse 44, he repeats the phrase, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. How does the Father draw them? Through the revealed word. And if you reject the revealed word, you will not come. But if you receive the revealed word, if you believe me, then you will come. They reject the revealed word, and so they will not come. The Father who all the, no one comes unless the Father who sent me draws him, and then Jesus makes this promise, and I will raise him up on the last day. All who come to me, Jesus says, all who come to me. That's such an encouraging word. That's such an encouraging thing. Jeremiah 31.3 <clears throat> 
says, and the Lord appeared to him from far away and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I have continued my chesed to you. I've continued my faithfulness. How is God faithful? The word declares God's faithful in what he has revealed of himself. And if you've heard from the Father and learned from him, you come to Jesus. And if you don't, you won't. You'll want 40 years of bread or a new husband or a new wife or something else that Christ doesn't promise. You will reject the bread. The people did this in the wilderness. When the children of Israel got what we call manna, right? You guys remember the story of manna? They could go out and gather the bread. You know that God always called that bread from heaven. I'll give you bread from heaven. You know, the people called it manna. In the Hebrew, it means what's this? And how many times did the people complain? Oh, manna. We got manna. Who wants manna? We've tried every recipe for manna, right? We have banana bread, manna burgers, manna cotti. <laughs> uh, that's old Keith Green humor. We've had all this stuff, but the people called it, what's it? What's it? What's this? When Jesus reveals himself, I'm the bread of life. Come to me and you'll never hunger. Come to me and you'll never thirst. They said, we don't want that. We want this. All who have learned from the Father will come to me in verse 44. Verse 45, for it is written in the prophets. So it is written. It is written. In the prophets, the prophets spoke, and they will be taught by God. You know, the prophets spoke that about Messiah. When will the people be taught by God? In the Old Testament prophets. When will this happen? When Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes, the people will be taught by God. And they said the people will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So how does the Father give them? Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to the Son. Everyone. So he reminds them, in verse 46, he reminds them of his special relationship to the Father. We're going to see this later on in the Gospel of John when he's going to talk. Well, I think we see it also uh, at the resurrection um, when, when Thomas makes his declaration, my Lord and my God, Jesus says, uh, don't cling to me for I must return to my father and your father. Why does he do that? Because there's a different relationship between the son and the father than there is between me and the father. I'm part of the family by adoption, right? I get there through Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't. So he's going to lay out the special relationship with the Father. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. 
He has seen the Father. I don't know how much clearer Jesus can be. I'm bred from heaven. I and the Father are one, right? He's going to declare when Thomas asks, well, Lord, it would be, be sufficient to show us the Father. And Jesus is going to say to him, have I been with you so long you, you have not seen? He who has seen me has So he's declaring, look, no one has seen the Father. No one has ever seen the Father except the Son. Any part of Scripture that declares that someone saw God, who did they see? They saw Jesus. Because Jesus is that person within the Trinity that reaches out to us. That's how we know God, through Jesus Christ. This is what the scriptures declare. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. And this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am a living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Do you remember on the road to Emmaus in the Gospel of Luke? After the crucifixion, Jesus has been buried. Two disciples go to Emmaus on the way. They bump into the resurrected Jesus, right? He walks with them and talks with them in the way. Explains from Moses in the Old Testament scriptures why it was that the Messiah had to suffer these things. And when they arrived where they were going, they, they, were, they were going inside. They invited Jesus to come inside. And so Jesus came inside and it says that he took the bread and he broke it and their eyes were open, and they saw him, and then he was gone. Because he is the bread of life. And he said, it's my, my body is the bread. My body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? The symbolism behind what will be instituted as communion much later is illustrated before the disciples now so what is the condition to receive this what what is what what condition must be met for eternal life what does he say whoever what believes whoever believes has eternal life and what is the character of it what is the source of it where does this bread come from this bread comes down from heaven it comes from God. What is the sacrifice? The sacrifice is his body, right? I give my body for the life of the world. I give my body. This is the sacrifice. What's the consequence of believing this? He will live forever. There's two words we talked about in the Greek that talk about life. Bios, bios, biology, <clears throat> which is just a, a generic word for life. And zoe, 
which is a word that, that carries much more meaning about life, like an unstoppable life, an abundant life, uh, uh, the kind of life everyone wants to live. There's just living, I'm alive, and then there's living. So when Jesus talks about giving a, 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 an eternal life, an abundant life, it's not abundance of stuff. It's not abundance of health. It's not abundance of money. It's that you're tapped into the source of all life. That's what Jesus Christ is offering. So the Jews in verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Really? I feel like this is exactly the kind of conversations that the mob has out on the street. I've seen people have these conversations where you see two people talking and eventually they're yelling and screaming at each other and you're saying to yourself, neither one of you can hear what the other one is saying. You're not listening. You're not listening. Do you honestly believe Jesus was saying, you have to come over and take a bite out of my bicep right now to have eternal life. Is that, you, you honestly think that's what he was getting to? Because nobody takes a bite out of him. There was a sense that Jesus is speaking toward in sacrificial life of the Jew in a, in a, in a Jewish social life there in, uh, in the area of Israel, Jerusalem, where in a person brought a sacrifice to the temple. And a sacrifice was, let's say it was a lamb, and you brought that sacrifice, and it dies, and it's put up on the altar. You realize that they cut away, the priest's job was like the job of a butcher. He cut away the, par the portion that would go to the priest, and that would be cooked and provide food for the priests, and then what was burnt to the Lord was usually the fat. God said, I want the fat. So the fat was burned up to the Lord. What did they do with the rest of the meat? It went to the person, and what did he do? He participated in the sacrifice. How did he participate in the sacrifice? He ate it. And that which was sacrificed becomes a part of him. It was not just some thing that was outside. It was something that was appropriated. How was the sacrifice appropriated? They ate it. They ate it. There was one sacrifice that was different. It was called the burnt, the burnt offering, the consecrated offering. That was totally burnt. It was all given to the Lord. spoke of total consecration to God. Every other sacrifice, the people would partake in. So the Jews are saying, how can he give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So since you're a little offended at what I've said, let, let's just go over the line. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. What is it that Jesus is saying? Remember what this discourse is about? They saw him, but did not believe. These were people who see him and do not believe. What's he saying? I have to be in you. You have to appropriate 
me. You can see me. You can say I existed. You can say I was a part of, of the historical record of mankind. But you got to appropriate. You got to believe. He has to be a part of you. He's going to say it like this. If you abide in me, then I, what? Abide in you. Abide in me. He's describing this as appropriating. How do we take what was sacrificed and make that sacrifice a part of my life so that it's not just something that happens out here? The sacrifice was eaten. So Jesus said, truly, truly, unless you eat. Now that word eat is an interesting word. That word eat, I'm, I'm not going to go into the, the meaning of the word. Just the, the grammar here is speaking of a one-time action. This is a one-time action. Lest you eat of my flesh. One time, lest you eat of my flesh and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54 says it differently. Whoever feeds on my flesh in the ESV, in New King James, I think still says eats. But the point is, it's just a different grammatical construct. This one means continuous action. So we eat to receive life, but we feed on him, on his flesh. We feed on his blood. And it says, we have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. In one sense, we're talking about a one-time act, participating in the sacrifice by appropriating what Christ has provided. In the second hand, we're talking about continuous reliance on him, continuous reliance on the Lord for sustenance. He's the one that carries me through. One-time act, appropriating the sacrifice, continuous act, relying on his sustenance. I, I, he's all I need. I don't need a penny in my bank account, and there have been times where there wasn't a penny in it. I don't need a house. There have been times I didn't have a house. I don't need a car. I don't need a bike. I don't need whatever things I think I need. I don't need health. I don't need any of it. I need Jesus. He's the life. That's all I need. And, and having him, I can endure all things. Didn't Paul say, I can do all things through who does what? Now change that word strengthen to sustains me. How does he sustain me? I'm continuously feeding on him. He's not talking about, this is not a literal, he's not talking about we got to go find a body somewhere to eat. This is not cannibalism. This is appropriating. It's the difference between seeing and not believing and seeing and believing. Seeing and believing means I believe what God has told me through his revelation and his word. Previously, I believe the prophets. I believe Moses. I believe what the word declares. I receive that Jesus Christ is my Savior, my Redeemer, the only way to bridge the gap between me and God. He's it. I appropriate that. This 
incredible gift of salvation given to me by the Father, not by any works of my own. I receive it by grace through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man would boast. All the Father gives me come. Those who come, I will raise him up on the last day. Who are those who come? Whoever eats and drinks of my body and blood. Whoever is appropriating the sacrifice of Christ. Now, we have a, a uh, I don't know a good word. We have a discipline in church called the Lord's Supper, right? Where we take bread and a cup, right? Representing the body and the blood of Christ. And we partake of those things to symbolize what we have already done. By putting our faith and trust in Christ, we have already eating, eaten of his flesh, which is his flesh given for the life of the world. Is why, by he being broken, I am made whole, right? And we are, so we're appropriating the sacrifice of Christ. Where it's a symbol of what has already happened. You're not, when you do that, there's nothing else happening. We reject, we reject the idea of transubstantiation, which you can ask me about Monday morning at coffee if you want to know. I probably don't have time. But we reject that idea, but we're talking about a outward symbol of an inward change that has already taken place because of our placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have eaten of his flesh and drank his blood. Listen to what he says. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Immediately ought to take you to Isaiah 55. Immediately ought to open up your eyes to what God has given in Revelation previously. Immediately. What is it Jesus saying? My body that is given for you. This body that I'm giving for you. Because John the Baptist has already declared him as what? John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, which does what? takes away the sin of the world. So he says, behold the lamb. <coughs> behold the lamb. And so here, Jesus says, my flesh, my body is genuine food. It is that which will really sustain you. My blood is genuine drink. It is that which will genuinely sustain you. Because you are separated from God through sin. And you cannot be restored in that apart from the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. In Isaiah 55, listen to what the Lord through the prophets spoke. He said, come everyone who thirsts, come to the water. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Why are you always thinking that the thing that you're missing in your life is one of these other things? 
Whatever it is we don't have, why is that the thing we think, this will finally satisfy me, this will finally sustain me, this will finally be the peace that's missing in my life. And here in John 6, Jesus is saying, what's really missing in your life is my body and my blood. It's my sacrifice, my atonement. That's what's missing. Because you, as fallen man, are separated from God through the fall, corruption, and rebellion. And Jesus Christ provides what is necessary so that that relationship can be restored. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. So Jesus is saying, it's my body, it's my blood. This is real food and drink. He's speaking spiritually. Why do we think when the Lord speaks spiritually, it's not reality? Is spiritual reality? Well, I think it is. What is spiritual is real. Everyone will know. Everybody will. If it's not, you're right. Eat, drink, and be merry and die. Life has no meaning, no value. Why should one person do and the other do not? Whatever's right in your own eyes should be right. And if there is no spiritual, you have no right to tell me anything I do is wrong. I want to walk down the middle of the street with no mask, cough on everybody I see. It doesn't matter to you. shouldn't matter to you at all. There's nothing else in this life but, but me and I'm the only authority. Because where that goes, when there is no spiritual and there is no other authority, where that go is, might makes right. And if might makes right, you can't judge Germany, you can't judge Japan, you can't judge China, you can't judge anybody as to whether something is right or wrong. Because everything must be right. If there is no spiritual, if there is no authority greater above, beyond us, then that's how it's supposed to be. The guy with the gold makes the rules. Or there is spiritual. Jesus Christ has provided a way. There is something more, a moral code by which all men are called to a higher purpose. That's why when we look across societies, we all can look at things and say, yeah, that's wrong. Who says? Well, I'll tell you the easy answer. God. What did he say he would do one day? Jeremiah 31. I will write my law on their hearts. They shall know me. What's Romans 1 say? Everybody knows God. For God has revealed himself to him. But they 
reject God, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness and are thereby children of wrath. So we see this Jesus laying out, my body, this my body, this is real, this is true, this is what's happening. So whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. How do we enter into abiding in Christ? Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's Ephesians chapter 1, lays out around verse 14. You guys have to look it up and check it out. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 or 14 talks about how is it that we abide in him? When you hear the gospel, you hear the word of God, all who have heard from the Father and learned from him, you hear the word of God and then you believe it. You abide, appropriating what Christ has given. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me, being dependent on what it is that he provides. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Where? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is what Jesus is talking about. My flesh is given for the life of the world. All who learn, hear from the Father and learn from him will come to me. And everyone who comes to me, I will raise him up in the last day. All who believe. How is it that we can see and not believe? You won't believe the things that the Father has shown you. What's the contrast? Look at verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Forever. Whoever finds their sustenance, their strength, their endurance, everything that is lacking and necessary for life is found in Christ. Everything we need is in him. Whatever it is you think you need, you don't need it. The thing you need, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now he's talked to the crowd. He's talked to the Jews, probably referencing the the religious leadership. Now he's going to talk to the disciples. What's it say? Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, are you offended? Does this offend you? What will you do when you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If this offends you, what will it be like when you stand before me on that day? The Bible speaks of a day when the living and the dead will stand before God. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you're offended at this, if this offends you, you're grumbling, and we'll see many of the disciples are going to leave him. If you're grumbling at this, what will you sound like on the day you stand before the Son of Man? The Son of Man, in reference to Daniel chapter 7, 
And I saw one like unto the Son of Man who came up before the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days gives him a throne. If you know anything about the Old Testament Scriptures, you know that the Father says, I will not share my glory with any other. That's because while the Father is separate from the Son, is separate from the Spirit, they are one, Yahweh. Jesus will sit at the throne. All judgment, John chapter 5, all judgment has been given into his hand. If you're offended at this, then what will you do when you see the Son of Man? Now listen to what he says to him. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The flesh is no help. What if we looked at the things Jesus is teaching of, like, uh, let's give an illustration. Let's say, I'm starving to death. Man, I'm so hungry. And so we go back into the fellowship hall, and we got his table just laid out with all of my favorite burritos. And I'm just going to go out there and look at them. Wow. Look at that giant Autobata burrito. Ooh, that's my favorite one. For you, maybe it's carne asada. Go ahead and just put whatever food you want in your head. I want to hear all the stomachs rumbling. And you look at it. That is what it is to see Jesus and not believe. What good does that food do you on the table? Any good? Does it fill your belly? Does it satisfy your desire? Does it sustain your life? What do you have to do? You got to eat it. You have to eat it. Jesus is laying out this in this illustration that he provides for us, this challenge to his disciples. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. It's like looking at the food and not eating it, looking at Christ and not believing. It does nothing for you. It is the spirit that gives life. It is the spiritual that matters. We find life through the Spirit, in the Spirit. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. You remember when Jesus was at the woman in Samaria, right? And he was talking to her about living water. She said, Lord, give me this living water to drink. You remember when that was going on? They're having the discourse. Jesus says, go tell your husband. She says, I don't have one. Jesus says, you, you spoke the truth. Now, you have uh, had five of them. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. When Jesus was speaking to her and talking to her uh, about this, she became religious all of a sudden. She said, well, where should we worship? You remember what Jesus said? The Father desires those who will worship in spirit and truth. Jesus here is saying the flesh is no help at all. The words that he speaks, he is God the word. Right In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, God the Word, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. In John 17, when Jesus prays his high priestly prayer, you know what he's going to say about the Word of God? Your Word is 
truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit, his word is the spirit in spirit and life. They need this. It's like Jesus is looking at them and quoting from them from Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah the prophet said, Have the footmen worried you? Have they wearied you? You've been running with the footmen. Does that wear you out? What will you do when you have to run with the horses? You're being offended. You're offended by this? <laughs> it's going to get way worse than this. This isn't, this isn't the thing. This isn't the end. You need to hold fast to so the spirit. You need to hold fast to life. Titus 3.5 says that he saved us, Jesus Christ, God the Father, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We enter into these guys, they are floundering. They won't always flounder because they will be washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. They will be what Jesus said in John chapter 3, born again. Born to life. The flesh is... It's no help at all. But the word of God, it is spirit and it is life. Verse 64, but there were some of them who do not believe. Jesus said, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So in this last section of the discourse on the bread of life, you have the believing and the betraying. These are the categories, the believing and the betraying. It says, some of you don't believe. Jesus knows. Romans chapter 8 gives us that golden chain of redemption, right? Those whom he foreknew, he called. He predestined them to become we see this move of God. God says, look, I knew. I know who believes. Jesus looked at him and said, I know you. You see me, but you don't believe. You don't believe the Father. You won't believe me. He looks at his own disciples now. Not, this is not the Jews. This is his own disciples. And he says, I know who of you believe and who don't. I know who will betray. So Jesus said to the twelve. Do you want to go away too? How do you get rid of 15,000 people that want to make you king? Tell them, my body is bread for you. My, my blood is drink for you. Eat and drink of this and have eternal life. That's how you get rid of 15,000 people who want to make you king. Then he looks at his disciples and says, you want to leave too? You want to go? Simon Peter answered, Lord... To whom shall we go? Your words. You have the words of eternal life. Because he had heard from the Father and learned from him. So he sees and believes. All that the Father gives me will 
come to me. Peter has come. He's with him, right? We know the story. We know how the story's going to end, right? Peter's with him. Peter going to mess up? Yeah, but is Peter with him? Yeah. How long? Well, until they hung him on a cross upside down, right? All the way. All the way, he says to Jesus, look, your words are, are the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe you are Messiah. We have come to believe you are the anointed one, the one who is to come. The Old Testament scriptures describe this being as the Holy One of God. We believe you are the Holy One, the Messiah, the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King. Do they understand everything? No. Do we understand everything? No. Do they believe? Have they learned from the Father? Have they heard from the Father? Do they accept the word? Yes. Do they believe Jesus? Yeah. Have they come to him? Yeah. What does he say he'll do? I will raise you up in the last day. You have eternal life. All who come to me. So, Jesus answered and said, did I not choose you the 12? Did Jesus choose the 12? Yeah. And before he chose the 12, did he spend all night in prayer? Yes. And when he chose the 12, did he know one of them was a betrayer? Yes. And he chose them anyway. Everything he taught the other 11, did he teach to Judas too? Did he ask Judas, just like the other 11, who do you say that I am? But Judas never heard from the Father. He didn't believe Moses and he didn't believe Jesus. All he wanted was what he could put on a plate in front of him. He wanted the money in the money bag. He wanted freedom for his people. He wanted an end to the oppression of the Roman. Whatever things he wanted, he wanted a lot of things, but the one thing he didn't want was a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was the one thing Jesus came to give. You may get those other things, but Jesus is not Santa Claus. And if you've been around very long, you know there isn't a Santa Claus. The Bible teaches that life is hard, full of struggles and sorrow. But God promises that sorrow is in the evening, joy comes in the morning. There will be a day when sorrows are over. I may live 70 years of sorrow and Jesus will still be worth my faith, my trust, my love and devotion. He does not have to give me a dime. He doesn't have to give me a house, ease of life, health. He came to save me from my sin. He is the only way 
to the Father. He is the only way to experience life in the Spirit. He is all there is. If all we're looking for is a full belly, we're like the people who were looking at Jesus saying, give us more food. If all we want is our agenda, we're like the Jews who said, what is this you're teaching? If we reject the revelation that God has given, we're like those disciples who could not believe what he said. But if we do, if we're like Peter, where else would I go? You're it. You're it. That's why the psalmist wrote this. Taste and see. The Lord is good. What is it that God wants for me? The people in Micah's time were clamoring. What does God want? What sacrifice? Tell me what sacrifice. The psalmist, in his sin, in his fallenness, he said... The Lord does not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. He doesn't want anything from me. What did the psalmist declare? What did David declare? He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit. What did the people of Micah's day, what what shall we give the Lord? 10,000 sacrifices, 10,000 rivers of oil. What, What will make the Lord happy? You know, O man, what it is that the Lord requires. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Hear from the Father and believe in the words of Jesus Christ. They will penetrate, accomplish their purpose, and you will be made white as snow. Amen? Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can study your word. Lord, I pray, God, that we would hunger and thirst to know you. As you declared in Hosea chapter 6, I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to know me. Lord, may that be our desire, to be faithful to you, to know you, to receive, to hear to believe the light that God has given and thereby be drawn by the Father and come to the Son where we cast our brokenness, our sin, our emptiness and he gives us life. God, I pray you be glorified in this place as we put our eyes on you in Jesus' name. Amen.